Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Fantasy Football Today, DFS. This is our game-by-game preview. My name is Sia Najad, and I am with Mike McClure, who missed last Thursday. Fortunately, we had Jacob Gibbs subbing in, but Mike, we missed you. We're happy to have you back, man. Happy to be back. Looking forward to this, first of all, this Thursday night football game tonight, and then the rest of this main slate. Uh, I like this week once again. Can't wait for it. Yeah, I, I got to ask you. So we looked at some of your, we looked at two of your lineups um, last week. How did you end up doing overall? Not you, can great. Include, you, you, you can include showdown in, in that analysis as well, of course. Yeah. So showdown typically is very, very good uh, for me. Last week wasn't great overall that I remember. I'd have to go back and it wasn't nothing stood out like as a big positive or big negative week. Um, I probably ended very close to breaking even through the week. Yeah. Whether and it's that's a- up a little, down a little, not enough to cause any concern for me. Yeah, that's kind of where I ended up being at. I, I um, you know, I had a lot of those Geno Smith stacks with whether it was DK or Tyler Lockett. Those didn't work out for me. Anything that had Josh Allen related. I know one of your lineups had um, a, like your cash game lineup, I think had Stefan Diggs as a staple in your cash lineup. So that obviously worked out for you, but not not a spectacular week. I'm glad you like this week because there's like three or four games I really like. And I'm just curious to see if you like those games as well. And I got to be honest, a lot of the the players I like are expensive this week. And I, I want you to kind of have this in the back of your mind as we go through each game. Value. Like like if there's a game, even if it's kind of a reach from a value standpoint, I'm just very interested in, in where you see value in some of these games that, that we're going to be interested in. So for everybody who didn't watch Tuesday, you, you might not know it's an 11-game slate. We have four teams on a bye, the Bills, the Rams, the Vikings, and the Eagles. We have four afternoon games. And actually three of the four are going to be really interesting. So normally, like the last few weeks, we've had three afternoon games. I like to point all of that out for late swap purposes more than anything else. So something to consider, um, but let's get right into it. Let's start, Mike, with um, Atlanta uh, at Cincinnati. I think this is a really interesting game, actually. Atlanta's plus six and a half. It's a 47-point total. Again, this game is in Cincinnati. The one thing that worries me a little bit in this game is pace. Uh, with that said, I like how efficient the Cincinnati offense has looked over the last two weeks. And Mike, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk about the Cincinnati offense kind of operating out of the shotgun over the last two weeks and how efficient they've been as a result. And that's just not in the passing game. That's also in the running game. The last two weeks, the the shotgun snaps that 
where Mixon has gotten a rush attempt, he's averaging over six yards per carry. That's a stark contrast from the first handful of games where he was one of the most inefficient running backs on any slate where, where we were discussing him. So uh, Jamar Chase, I think he's notable because, yeah, he had a nice game last week, which we we predicted on Fantasy Football Today DFS. But one thing that I think is really interesting with him is that they're moving him all around. He's playing outside. He's playing in the slot. They're really trying to scheme him, get him, you know, the right looks. T. Higgins is going to be back for this game. He was back last game. Uh, his route participation was great. So I think it's all systems go for both of those receivers. Mike, any interest in this game? And if so, who is it going to be? And if it's a stack, are you are you even bothering with a run back? Uh, I'm not bothering with a run back, but yeah, I love this game. And I'm glad we started with it, not intentionally, but it's my favorite game of the week. Uh, hmm. I love Cincinnati here in this spot. It, they're one of my favorite teams of the week. My favorite stack of the week is going to be Joe Burrow-based. Uh, probably, well, it's mostly to Jamar Chase, but I'll have Higgins mixed in there as well. Uh, potentially a little Hayden Hurst, depending on how some of the tight end ownership ultimately shakes out. Uh, but I love, love, love this spot for them. Uh, this defense profiles pretty similar to what they just saw, right? So we just saw them play New Orleans, uh, kind of banged up in the secondary a little bit, not super good there. Same thing here on the Atlanta side. I expect them to have a ton of success. I also expect them to kind of run it up. Even if they're winning by a lot, I expect them to keep throwing. Uh, one thing that excites me about Joe Burrow is he hasn't thrown less than 31 passing attempts. He's had 30-plus passing attempts in every single game so far this season. 300 yards, three touchdowns last week. I expect a similar result here in this one. Uh, as far as Jamar Chase, he's my favorite wide receiver on the slate as well. Makes a lot of sense with Joe Burrow. Love that T. Higgins is another week closer to being back to 100%. Uh, I think that really, really helps Jamar Chase in his game. So, yeah, very interested here. I'm playing Joe Burrow. He's my number one quarterback of the week. Let me ask you a couple questions with this game. Um, by the way, uh, props to Zach. If you're watching us on YouTube, you're seeing that Zach is pulling up the game logs. He just had Jamar Chase pulled up here. For the record, those of you that are watching on YouTube, please hit the like button uh, when you get a chance. Right now would be great. Uh, and um, if you haven't already reviewed the podcast, please go ahead and do that. Let me ask you this. Are any interest in Joe Mixon? I mean, he's kind of expensive relative to some of the value that we're going to see um, at the running back position on this slate. I guess my question with Mixon is like, it doesn't make a ton of sense in this type of game script to have, you know, Mixon in a stack with Burrow and let's say Chase or Higgins. But if you wanted to just pull a piece of uh, of this game out and you didn't want to stack it, so this is like not a Mike McClure stack necessarily, but you wanted a piece of this game in, in a positive game script for likely a majority of the game and knowing the efficiency that Mixon has run with over the last two contests, does it make sense to just pull Joe Mixon out of this game? Uh, yes, it does. Uh, I like Joe Mixon quite a bit. He's firmly in my player pool. Um, you know, in the lineups that I don't play Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, I will likely have Joe Mixon in there. Um, it all comes down to value. I think there is enough value to make it work this week. Uh, he's also $7,000, not 8000 like we've seen in the past from him. So, yes, I like Joe Mixon. I do think he'll have a few more touches this week uh, if the game script goes the way we think it will. Uh, I also will play him with Joe Burrow, though. Uh, his involvement in the passing game is still very, very good in terms of we can consistently see five targets, potentially, uh, three to five targets. We can see that number spiked eight to ten uh, in certain situations. So I, I like Joe Mixon a lot, and I have no issues playing him in kind of an onslaught lineup where you have Burrow, Mixon, and Chase. Love it. And I, I got to ask you this on the other side, because the, the number is so eye popping now with Kyle Pitts. I mean, you talk about like 
three to five targets in, in the context of Mixon. Like that's, you know, it's almost like you're, you're lucky if that's what, what Kyle Pitts is getting you these days. Uh, because listen, his targets last, let's say two games, three and four. He had eight prior to that, three prior to that, seven in week one. My question here though, just real quick, yes or no, he's 4,300. I understand we're probably going to want to pay up for Andrews and Kelsey in the event that a lineup doesn't have the money to do that. Would Kyle Pitts sort of be in that pool of like your David and Joku's, for example, like that uh, Robert Tunyon's in that sort of price range where you'd, you'd pull Kyle Pitts out because you think this might have some back and forth appeal to it. Uh, only if, if you're playing Bengals on the other side, uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to play Kyle Pitts on his own. Uh, there are two value tight ends that are going to be incredibly popular. So it's those two and Mark Andrews. So I, I'm out on Pitts. And so let's let the cat out of the bag. Who are the two that are going to be popular with Mark Andrews? Uh, Dolchich for the Broncos and Foster Moreau for the uh, Raiders. And for those of you that don't know, it doesn't look like Darren Wallow is going to play Sunday. He was a DNP. He's got that hamstring issue. So, you know, we had a week last last year, Mike, where it was Foster Moreau week, if you recall. I think there were like two weeks. And one of those weeks, if I recall, he really smashed with the, at least oh, with yeah. the receptions side of it. So uh, we'll get to that game uh, in a little bit, but that's um, that's good to note from a value tight end standpoint. All right, let's go to one of my favorite games. I really, really like this game, uh, Cleveland at Baltimore. This is a pretty big spread, just like that Atlanta game. So keep that in mind, but Cleveland's plus six and a half at Baltimore. It's a 46-point spread. I do want to point out Mark Andrews missed Thursday's practice. So he missed two practices in a row, but it appears that, and it's the designation is knee, which, you know, there's always like fear when it comes to something like that, but it appears that it's just a rest day for Mark Andrews, or I should say two rest days in a row, something to keep your eye on just in case it's not, obviously he didn't leave the game last week with a knee injury. So there doesn't seem to be any sort of like trauma related injury relative to his knee, but got to keep an eye on that. Cause Mark Andrews is going to be likely a big part of this slate. Um, probably for me and, and probably for Mike as well, as we'll find out later in the show, uh, JK Dobbins also missed practice, which I fully anticipated in my redraft leagues. I went, I went ahead and just scooped up Kenyon Drake and all those. I, I understand justice Hill might play. Probably not. I understand Gus Edwards is coming back soon, but if he comes back for this game, it'll be a small, uh, rushing share. Uh, but I did want to point that out. And maybe more importantly than J.K. Dobbins, it looks like Rashad Bateman is back in this game. He's practiced two days in a row. And I think that's kind of a big deal. But let me ask you this, Mike, any interest in this game? It's a, it's a 45, you know, 46 point total. Uh, none of these defenses can really play. And what I mean by that is they're really not stopping anybody, particularly in the rushing game. I personally, and I said this on Tuesday, I love Amari Cooper week to week. He's getting the targets, not super efficient last week, only catching four of 12. He found his way in the end zone. I think this could be an Amari Cooper game. I certainly think Nick Chubb is in play and I love Lamar Jackson. And obviously Andrews and Bateman seem to be in play for me as well. And maybe even Kenyon Drake. Do you love it? Do you hate it? What do you think? Uh, I love it in, uh, you know, as long as Mark Andrews is playing, I love it. Um, Mm -hmm. If Mark Andrews is not playing, I I start to shy away in in quite a few areas uh, just because I think it changes Bateman's ownership. It it probably drops the upside on Lamar meaningfully. Um, We always can play Lamar. We we talk about it every week. Lamar's in the player pool every single week. Uh, He's just got way too much upside with his legs, and he's a very capable passer. The team can easily put up points. So I, I have no issues with Lamar. I like him. He's in my player pool. I will have a Lamar lineup for sure. Uh, the most interesting piece that you mentioned to me is probably going to be Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, he had a fantastic season going until last week against New England, threw up that single digit 
eight-point performance on DraftKings here. Not going to be projecting for a ton of ownership opposite of Lamar and Mark Andrews in the spot. Um, you know, we just talked about Joe Mixon. There's a number of cheap running backs or cheaper running backs that are going to be incredibly popular. So you're going to get yourself a different build. Um, I like playing Nick Chubb as a contrarian play this week. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm always all about Nick Chubb, especially against this Ravens defense. The one thing I did want to point out, and, and I think, I think this stat implicates Rashad Bateman. If he plays, this is something I picked up from, um, Jordan Vinek on Twitter, uh, Cleveland defense, um, they, they blitzed a lot last week against the Patriots. And I ex- and, and I think the expectation is they'll blitz a lot against Lamar Jackson, particularly because Lamar has not been good against the blitz over the last handful of games, over the last like three games. He's been actually quite bad, but most of that time has been with without Rashad Bateman. And, and Jordan Vinek actually kind of posted on Twitter the splits with Rashad Bateman, without Rashad Bateman against the blitz. And as you might expect, Lamar is a lot more efficient and has a lot more upside when he has his wide receiver one in the game. So that's something to consider to the extent you're down on Lamar Jackson and his passing role. We know he has the floor with the rushing, but if you're down on him with the passing role, I do think obviously Andrews makes a big difference. But because Bateman hasn't been in, it'll be an even bigger difference for the passing game, I think, for Lamar Jackson. So again, injuries are something to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on Bateman. Keep an eye on Andrews. If they are both in and it's all systems go, I I really, really like Lamar Jackson in this game. So, and actually I want to check Rashad Bateman's price for those of you listening and not looking at it. It's 5,200. So that's obviously, you know, he's not exactly a target monster, but in tournaments against this Cleveland secondary, uh, there's certainly some upside there with uh, Rashad Bateman coming back. Any, anything on Kenyon Drake before we move on to Green Bay at Washington? No, not really. Um, it, it really just got to watch the news on Mark Andrews. I, I still expect him to ultimately suit up and play, but just monitor the news. Uh, that, that changes everything for me on this one. All right. Sounds good. Green Bay at Washington. I'll just be honest here. Not a lot I'm interested in here. The pace is going to be slow. Washington's going to try to run the ball against Green Bay's defense because that's kind of how you you beat Green Bay. Uh, I, I don't really like anything on the Green Bay side, although I'll admit, Mike, there's some value here with Robert Tunyon, with Romeo Dobbs, if you want to go that direction, I suppose, Alan Lazard, but uh, punt tight end, Cole Turner. I mean, I, I'm just trying to like grasp at straw here, straws here because it doesn't look like Logan Thomas or my guy John Bates are playing. So these are just kind of like Hail Mary plays here. Do, do you like anything? Is Aaron Jones a contrarian play here or are you just moving past this game? Uh, mostly moving past it. Uh, Aaron Jones, definitely a contrarian play. Um, probably not going to end up getting there because I, I'm playing five lineups total. If I were playing 20 plus, uh, I would definitely get there. Um, but I'm not going to be, so uh, I'm pretty comfortable moving past it. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody's playing Aaron Jones. So if you're, if you're trying to like throw a single bullet into a big contest like for fun, which I don't really advise from a bankroll management standpoint – I do think Aaron Jones is, is an interesting play because the Washington defense is pretty bad. They're decent against the run, bad against the pass, but this is the type of defense that can kind of like bend, not break for like two and a half quarters. And then it just like the floodgates open. And if that happens, it could be one of those Aaron Jones, like three touchdown games, not something I'm predicting, not a guy that's in my player pool either, but it's just a, a consideration. Cause I just don't think Aaron Jones is going to have any ownership whatsoever. So let's move right past this game to another high scoring game. This one, Mike, I have a lot of questions for you about because Detroit is a seven-point dog at the Dallas Cowboys. It's a 49-point total, so obviously one of the higher totals. Dallas clearly has one of the more high, like high implied totals in this game. 
we know the Detroit defense is terrible against the run. We know the Detroit defense is terrible against the pass. Dak is coming back. So it's kind of like a new variable that's thrown in because it's, it's Dak's first game back. Um, you know, Michael Gallup seems to be good value in this game. CeeDee Lamb is getting one third of the Dallas Cowboy targets and he's, he's doing a lot with them. And I, frankly, I'm not even sure he's really hit his ceiling yet. So I, I just wonder what you think from a back and forth. Like I respect this Cowboys defense. I think DeAndre Swift is going to be back. I think I'm on my round is going to be healthy. Is this the type of back and forth game that we're accustomed to seeing this year with Detroit or is the Dallas defense going to kind of put their foot on, on the throat of Detroit and, and maybe just, this is a one-sided affair. I lean more towards the one-sided affair. Um, I think that people will try to force it to be that back and forth game. Like we've seen a few times earlier this season from the lions. Um, I'm going to avoid that personally. Uh, I'm just isolating CD lamb and that's basically it for me. Uh, might play Dak Prescott with him in one of the lineups, but mostly just a lot of CD Lamb standalone. Um, I, I I don't like the Lions side of it with them both coming back really at this point. I, I think they're fine. We've obviously seen the upside that they possess, but it's just not something I'm going to get to personally. Uh, the one thing that I would also say is as far as a contrarian running back, I, I don't not even sure how contrarian it'll be, but I don't mind Ezekiel Elliott. In, yeah, in this that's, I was going to ask you about him. Go go on. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I just think that there will be I think there will be opportunities for them for him even in the red zone here where it's not going to shock me at all if Dak plays relatively well. CD Lamb has his six catches, 75 yards, maybe a touchdown, maybe he doesn't. But Zeke gets those two touchdowns here in the red zone. It's not going to shock me at all in this spot. It actually profiles quite well for that for him. Um, so he's on the fringe of my player pool right now. Yeah, Zeke is such an interesting play. It's not a guy I've played this entire year, but a, a couple things working for him. One, it's the Detroit run defense, which again is terrible. They're allowing around 5.5 yards per carry to running back. So that's like in the bottom five or six of the league, like you would expect. The thing about Zeke is, you know, they've spent the last year and a half, the Dallas Cowboys, telling us by putting Zeke on the field that he is the better running back than Pollard and that it's not really close. Like that, that, that I feel like that's the message from upstairs, like Jerry Jones, because of Zeke's contract, because of who he is, what he represents for the team. They just keep force, force feeding at Zeke. This is the one game so far this year where they can try to justify that. It'll, like I understand Zeke is good, you know, a good all-around player. He's a tough runner inside the tackles. He's good uh, in pass protection, all of those things. But again, Pollard's role versus Zeke to me is, is a little unjustified. I think Pollard's role should expand. I think this is the game where the coaching staff says, no, no, no. Like this is what we've been saying the whole time. It's this is Zeke is the running back on this team, and, and they can kind of show him off in a way. And I, you know, I wouldn't say this about any other team because like this is very like I'm going down narrative street in a, in a very big way. But I do think Dallas really likes the idea of proving that Zeke is the guy and against this Detroit defense. And again, you brought up the red zone touches. He doesn't get a lot of passing work, admittedly, but he's getting most of the red zone touches. And against Detroit, this could easily be a two touchdown game for Zeke. So I think Zeke at 6K, this is maybe the one time this entire year that I will be actually big on Zeke. So he's not like my number one running back by any means. We'll, we'll get to who I like there, but he is firmly in my player pool. And he might be the one piece I actually pull out of this game, uh, in spite yeah. of the fact that a lot of people will be stacking it on both sides. A game, Mike, that nobody's... Oh, by the way, before, before we get to a game that nobody's going to be stacking, um, 
Any any ideas with Michael Gallup here? I mean, I, I think with Dak back, I think Michael Gallup, to me, presents a little bit better from a ceiling standpoint. He's only 5,100. He's running all the routes. Like, even in the last couple of games, his route participation is fantastic. He's just not necessarily getting – I mean, seven targets last week. He didn't do much with them, only two receptions. I could see this being a you know seven or eight target game potentially for Michael Gallup and at fifty one hundred, could he find himself in the end zone with Dak back? Yeah, I actually think he can. Is this a flyer you would take knowing that there's not a lot of value on the board here this week relative to let's say last week for example? Yeah, I think this is a good spot for Gallup. Uh, I I say good spot. It's certainly better than last week was. Uh, last mm-hmm. week was a really difficult ask for him. Uh, you know, kind of a deeper threat for him with Rush throwing to him on the road at Philly against a pretty good secondary. Uh, it's worth noting, you know, he had the seven targets. Two of them were intercepted um, by, by the defense. Those were two of the three interceptions. Uh, I do tend to think that you, you're right on, I don't think it impacts the floor much, but I think it definitely impacts the ceiling on Michael Gallup. Um, so yeah, I don't mind playing him. Uh, you know, I, th- I see we have some questions about it too, like in, in season long fantasy. I personally would be probably be playing Gallup, uh, starting him in those situations as well. Um, It's not going to shock me at all if he has a line that is somewhat close to CeeDee Lamb in this game. I'm glad you mentioned the questions. I do want to bring a question up here from Blake Robertson, who says, hey, guys, I'm new to DFS and still figuring it out. How much should I change my lineups from each game I play in? I assume you mean when you say game, you mean contest. Uh, Keep the same core players and change others, or should I switch it all up? Thanks. Uh, I'm I'm starting to be a believer in a very condensed uh, player pool, whereas I got to be honest, Mike, last year I was a little bit more uh, liberal with how many players I would include in my pool and and, and in my core. How would you answer that question, though? Yeah, so I was watching the wording of it. It says in each cash game I play in. So if you're generally talking about cash games, I play the Mm -hmm. same cash game lineup across the board. Sometimes I'll Mm -hmm. play two. So an example of that would be if I have two cash game lineups, one would be my Joe Burrow lineup, one would be the Lamar Jackson lineup. But the core of those lineups would be very, very similar. Um, But yeah, I'm a big believer in having the core of almost all of my lineups, no matter what the format. Uh, to be very, very similar. I typically am in the camp that likes to either be really right or somewhat wrong because you're not usually really wrong. You're somewhat wrong or you're very right. Uh, And and that's where I like to live. So to answer the question there, I would keep the same core players uh, and and switch out your, either your contrarian play or the, the value play, Um, you know, so in this week, say there's a couple, there's three tight ends you want to play. You can only play two of them at most, typically only one. Uh, you'd be rotating, you know, a position like that and some of the differentiation. Um, other spots, I guess it really, you know, you could change the quarterbacks in and out. Although the quarterback, it sounds weird to say, but the quarterback isn't incredibly important uh, in those lineups, in my opinion. So it, again, assuming you're talking about cash games. Yeah, and and forgive me because I think I misread that question. He was specifically referring to cash games, and I totally agree. Like these days, I'm really personally I'm running two cash games, two different lineups. Sometimes it'll like the second cash game lineup might even have a different stack because I I just like to. But the idea behind cash games, it, it, the way I look at them is you want to be confident with your cash game. These are like sort of like confidence plays. That's part of the reason a lot of the players in your cash games might be a little chalky because sort of like a lot of the industry likes these players. So if you have three or four type of of cash lineups, 
to me, it means you're just not confident in your cash game lineup. Like it's one thing to not be super confident in your tournament lineup because you're kind of making, you're taking some chances here and there, whether it's with your stacks or with your players and, and your runbacks and all of that. But in your cash games, you should have confidence. And if you have confidence, you, there's no reason to diversify your portfolio with your with your stacks and your players. So yeah, you can have maybe a couple different cash lineups and you can tweak a, a thing here and there. But uh, I would I would have confidence with your main lineup and and not change much if you're if you're making a second lineup there. Um, by the way, we have well over 100 people watching. Let's try to get over 100 likes. I, I want to do Mike's uh, top three at each position. Like I said last week. We'll probably do it anyway. But uh, if you can, we've got we got a lot of people watching. If you could hit the like button, if you can't see it, all you have to do is actually just pull down the chat from whatever platform you're watching on. You'll be able to hit the like button and then you'll be able to pop the chat back up. Most of you can see it readily, but in case you can't, that would be the way to uh, to do it. OK, let's move on to Tampa, Carolina. I already mentioned it. This is not a game we're going to want to have a lot of involvement in, but there are a couple of players that are interesting to me. And they're kind of the obvious ones. It's Tampa minus 11 at Carolina. So that's interesting. You know, we talked about, well, you weren't here with this, Mike, last week. But when Carolina was playing the Rams and it was a 10 and a, half, 10 and a half point spread, you know, our sentiment was like, I don't know that the Rams should be favored by 10 and a half against anybody. And it, and they ended up covering from what I recall. But I, I don't know if I should be making the same argument about Tampa, but it feels kind of the same, especially now that they're going to Carolina. This is a game on the road. I'm not asking you to make a call against the spread, but I just find that really interesting. This line has moved up. I believe it opened at 10 or 10 and a half. It's now up to 11. Godwin is the guy that I want to pull from this game. I think he's kind of game script proof. He's getting all the targets. He had 12 targets last week, almost got you that 100-yard bonus, um, 32% target share, 90% snap share, only four targets for Evans. Godwin is that sort of like easy target Cameron Brait's going to be out of this game. So, you know, um, I don't want to talk about Kate Otten in that capacity, but I just think he's going to lean on uh, Chris Godwin, maybe guys like Leonard Fournette even more. On the other side, I, I'm tempted because there's not a lot of value on this slate to consider DJ Moore, but I don't know that I'm going to get there. I also don't think I'm going to get to CMC, but I, we know his production. We know his floor is going to be pretty great. Any interest in any of the players I mentioned there? Honestly, probably not. Uh, I think the closest one that I could get to, uh, let me check something quickly here. Yeah, Chris Godwin's the closest one that I could get to. Uh, the ownership is suppressed just enough um, that, that I would have a little bit interest there. I, I thought that it would be a Leonard Fournette day for me, but it's not going to be based off some of the ownership projections that I'm seeing at this point. Um, so I'm mostly off of this game and hoping that the market is essentially right on it. And by that, I mean lower scoring game. Both teams contribute 40 points total in the game. Um, you know, if you want to isolate Godwin, I think it's okay. Um, as crazy as it sounds, though, if you really are dead set on playing Chris Godwin, I'd probably play Tom Brady. Um mm -hmm. Because if Godwin's going to have the day that gets him there to like really win you a tournament, it's going to require two touchdowns, uh, in my opinion, just on the slate, given the, the kind of the plays that we have on the slate. Um, so if Godwin's had got two touchdowns in this game, it's it's likely that Brady has had a very successful day. It's relatively unlikely that it's just a 14 point performance from the Bucks if he has two touchdowns. Uh, so if you love Godwin and really want to play him, that's how I would do it personally. I would just get a little different and, and play Tom Brady with it. Uh, it sounds weird saying get a little different, but Tom Brady's going to be five to six percent owned max, right? So yeah, that's the way I would do it personally. But as of now, I don't have anyone in this game in my player pool. 
Uh, Mike Chavez has a question. Do you like Cade, Not Cade Otten as a value tight end? And I'll answer that first, Mike, and then you can. Uh, I don't really love it. I mean, 2,700, it's very attractive on this slate. You could play two tight ends potentially and have Cade Otten with like a Travis Kelsey or a Mark Andrews. But this isn't the type, like when I recommended Cade Otten two weeks ago, it was a different type of game script. It was a different type of potential back and forth with Mike Evans healthy, with Chris Godwin healthy, with Russell Gage healthy, with Julio Jones healthy. I don't know that we can rely on a K-Dot and floor like we could have two weeks ago. So that's why I'm probably off him. Mike, you share that sentiment? I do, yeah. It's, you know, I'll mention the tight ends quickly. For me, it's going to be Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Dolchich for the Broncos, and Foster Moreau for the Raiders. Is Dolchich in even if it's uh, Brett Rippon at quarterback? For me, yes. Yeah, I would think so too. I'm not even sure it's a downgrade at this point. I know that sounds completely yeah. ridiculous, but for like a one-game sample size, uh, I, I I don't think it's a downgrade necessarily. Okay, so let's move on to the next game. We've got Indianapolis at Tennessee. Uh, this is another game I don't have a ton of fantasy interest in. Uh, Indianapolis is plus two and a half. Uh, the total here is 42 and a half. I, I think there's some obvious plays here. Jonathan Taylor looks like he's trending towards playing. I, I'm curious if if you would like him as a potential contrarian play at only 8,100. I mean, that's a, certainly a fair price, and it's it's there because he's coming off that injury. Uh, Michael Pittman, 7,400, pretty expensive. I don't think I want to go there. I personally don't want to lean on the idea that Matt Ryan's going to be chucking around 58 times like he did last week, especially on a, in a road environment where I actually think Tennessee might have a pretty good shot at winning and, and covering this game. Uh, Alec Pierce at 4,600 presents some of the value that I, I, I'm desperate for this week. On the other side, I think Derrick Henry is a nice contrarian play. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to get there. Other than that, that that's kind of all I like in this game. How about you? Yeah, uh, the most likely player to make my player pool from this game is Derrick Henry. Uh, I like mm -hmm. the spot for him. He's absolutely smashed the last three weeks in a row, one of them on the road against this indie team. Uh, the thing that I like is, is he's – being targeted in the passing game, catching passes as well. What if I told you Derrick Henry had at least 30 receiving yards in each of the last three games? Very, mm -hmm. <laughs> we would never have thought that to be true or possible. Um, I, I love the upside that he presents because not only is he getting all those yards receiving, we haven't had a game in the last three less than 20 carries. He only had 13 carries against Buffalo. That was a the game they got absolutely crushed in, didn't play much, right? But you know he's good for 20 carries minimum, potentially closer to 30. Uh, yeah, I like Derrick Henry quite a bit. Yeah, so I, yeah, I think my only issue there is the 8,200. But and it's only because I, I like so many stacks that might end up being kind of expensive. But I, you've kind of got me convinced here too. I was already kind of leaning on Derrick Henry. I think this is a potential blow up spot for Derrick Henry. So I, 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 I'm going to have to agree with you there. I'm going to have to incorporate him in a few more of my uh, tournament lineups in particular. Not, not a cash game play for you, Mike, right? Not at this time. Uh, the only scenario that moves him to a cash game play for me is a scenario that we get Mark Andrews ruled out. Then it okay. changes my roster construction significantly because, spoiler alert, I'm playing Mark Andrews again. Um, if he's not playing, then it's likely going to be Foster Moreau for sure, possibly Moreau and Dolchich, and then load it up everywhere else, which would give me room for him. So yeah, not in there now, but can't rule it out by Sunday. 
All right. Well, we got one more one o'clock game before we get to the four four o'clock games, most of which are very, very interesting. Uh, But before we do that, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back. My name is Sia Najad. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. I'm with my guy, Mike McClure. It is Thursday. It is our game-by-game preview. We have one more one o'clock game, Mike. It's the New York Football Giants at Jacksonville. The Giants are three-point dogs, which I think is a surprise to some people. The total here is 43, so it's a relatively low total. I'm not really interested in, in much in this game. I, I, you know, Christian Kirk's production's gone down quite a bit. As much as I see Travis Etienne emerging, it's not something I want to get involved in in this particular game, his splits with James Robinson. The receivers for the Giants, maybe you like some value there, but I, I'm just not like I, I'm just not ready to roster one guys like Wandale Robinson right now, or you know, Marcus Johnson or or Slayton. Barkley's the big question, and I think. I think I'm going to have to be off Barkley this week, whereas I've been on him the last two or three weeks. What say you? Yeah, this projects as a spot where I'd rather play Derrick Henry, who we just talked about, over Saquon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I expect them to be a little bit more involved in the passing game again here. Uh, to be honest, he only had three targets, caught all three of them. But, you know, when you look back at it, he had, you know, game in week four against the Bears, only had two targets in that game, um, one in week one against Tennessee. So, you know, maybe he's not going to be that threat to have double digit targets, right? We actually haven't seen any more than what seven, seven targets is the most we've seen for him all season. So I'm going to sit it out on Barkley, which means I'm going to sit it out on this game altogether. Uh, like you, I like Travis Etienne. I think that he has played incredibly well. I think the issue that we all have with it is he's been pretty efficient with the workload that he's got. We'd like him to see 20 plus touches, not 12 to 14. Um, So I'm going to sit this game out. Yeah, agree with that. We can move on to the first four o'clock game. 405 start. We have the Houston Texans. They're seven point dogs. They're at the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Raiders coming off a bye here. The total here is 45 and a half. The Raiders implied total 26.25, which is relatively high it's it's within the top four teams on this slate uh there's a lot i like here first of all let's let's just get the um elephant in the room out of the way the most popular guy on this slate is josh jacobs right mike yes yes uh he's going to be incredibly popular here in this spot i think he's still a a pretty good play so no matter what the ownership number ends up being he's definitely going to be in my player pool yeah, exactly. I mean, Josh Jacobs, he's getting the three down work. We talked about him Tuesday. I, I think I might have said Tuesday that this is my favorite, my favorite play, which of course means I moved the market. That's why he's so popular, clearly. But no, I mean, it's not a secret, right? Like it's it's pretty obvious. He's got a three down role. He's going against the Houston defense, which is 
pretty terrible all around against running backs, uh, whether you're looking at yards per carry or fantasy points scored, whatever it is. I think the question here, though, is, well, what else do you like? And and are there situations where you're fading Josh Jacobs and you're playing Devontae Adams, who's going to have far less ownership? Because, by the way, Houston isn't very good against wide receiver ones. We know how talented Devontae Adams is. Yeah, no, I love Devontae Adams. I think he's a fantastic tournament play. Um, You know, the issue for me personally versus, like, say, your builds maybe – I'm higher than the field on Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, so I'm more likely to play a lot more Jamar Chase. I might play Mm -hmm. Devontae Adams in there. Others, if you're not as high on Burrow and Chase, Devontae Adams is going to be your guy. And the good news is is Adams is projecting at single-digit ownership, as is Jamar Chase. Uh, So, yeah, I love the the Adams play. Uh, I want to get confirmation, I guess, on Foster Moreau, not necessarily on the Darren Waller side, just on his own side. Uh, He's still recovering uh and coming back i believe that he will end up playing here i don't think that what he's dealing with is mega serious relative to uh everything here so i i like the raiders the issue is is i like a lot of raiders but i don't love Derek carr yeah yeah i i so, so that th- that's the thing though right you can play like there's a situation you can play Devontae adams without Derek carr here right oh yeah i mean in oh, yeah. fact you can even play Derek. i mean could you play Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams without Derek Carr? Yes, I think right? so, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I definitely think so. Especially because, if you if that leaves you room in your lineup for – I mean, I tell you the lineup where you'll actually end up doing that is the lineup I keep talking about throughout the show, and that's a, a Joe Burrow lineup. Mm-hmm. You can put Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, and Josh Jacobs in a lineup together. Like You, you can definitely do that salary-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's pretty likely that I end up playing both of them in a lineup without Derek Carr. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think you got to have some of Adams and some of Jacobs, or at least some of one of those in most of your lineups. I'll probably play both of them in, in at least a couple of lineups. Um, it's not, you know, uh, it, it, the, all the, all the targets are going there. I mean, especially if Waller is out. You know, Hunter Renfro hasn't really established himself. Matt Collins has not reestablished himself. We're seeing the target share. Adams has a top five target share in the league, and we know what Josh Jacobs is doing on the ground and with his targets. So, I mean, if you scoop both of those guys up, either you're getting like, to me, you're getting like 60 to 70% of the entire Raiders production on offense. And that's just a number I kind of just pulled out, but I think it's probably pretty close, if not higher. We did have a question that I wanted to answer that I that I caught. That caught my eye. Oh, Eno, uh, it was an Eno Benjamin question. It was Eno, oh, from Ryan Ownby, Eno Benjamin or Brian Robinson. Uh, it's Eno Benjamin, right? And especially yeah. if it's PPR, it's Eno Benjamin. But even if it's standard, as much as I like, I mean, I guess if it's standard, it's it's it's, it's a lot closer. Would you go Brian Robinson in, in a standard league? Probably not. Uh, yeah. I just think the opportunity for Eno is going to be there. Um you know, I, it'll be interesting to see the Cardinals on the red zone tonight if they force things the way of DeAndre Hopkins or if Hopkins is, you know, it sounds weird to say used a little bit as a decoy and Eno gets a little bit of, of the work. Um, I, I would play Benjamin, though. Yeah, before we move on to the next game, I do want to sort of boldface what Mike said about Darren Waller and Foster Moreau. So for, for that person who asked earlier, it was Mike Chavez who asked earlier about um, Kate Otten. At 20, I think it was 2,600. I mean, you can play Foster Moreau in a much, much better game script. And a guy, Foster Moreau, who's, who's proven himself when he's had to take the lead tight end role at only yeah. 2,800. So if Foster Moreau is healthy, again, we have to monitor not just Waller's health, but Foster Moreau's health as well. Um, I think at 2,800, he's an obvious value 
um, perhaps even in cash games if if you're if you don't end up paying up for the tight end. But it sounds to me like paying up for like Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey is probably going to be a cash game lock per uh, Mike McClure. So we'll wait and see on that. We got the New York Jets. They are one point underdogs at Denver. A lot of confusion in Denver at the running back position, at the quarterback position. We don't exactly know how it's going to play out. It's a 38 and a half point total. The only thing I like in this game is the Jets defense at 2,600. I think a, a, an interesting contrarian defense that you're almost like leveraging what I think will end up being a popular defense in the Jets would be the Broncos defense at 3,300. Other than that, I, I don't think I'm going to get to Brees Hall at 6,200. But I, I don't think it's a bad play. I just don't think I'm going to get there with all the other running backs and receivers I like. Uh, anything in this game that you like? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've mentioned Dolchich at tight end multiple times. I like him regardless. Oh, uh, you know, I actually like him a little more now with the Foster Moreau situation because I think obviously people are going to gravitate towards that Moreau situation just a little bit more. Um, I'm, I'm going to play both of them. As far as other plays in the game, uh, both defenses, but more importantly, the Broncos defense for me. Uh, it's mm-hmm. still difficult. I, the Jets, so they've had a great season so far. It's still a really difficult place to go in and play and win a football game uh, with, again, still a very young quarterback, young core of that team, really. Uh, wouldn't shock me to see a letdown spot, uh, you know, from the Jets in the spot. So I, I like the Broncos defense. Um, I'm not going to play. Brees Hall at all. I, I think the Broncos defense, you know, we, we even watched them stuff Austin Eckler in the run game, uh, you know, just the other day here. Mostly off of this game, though. I'm not playing anyone on the Jets side. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I completely overlooked Dulcich's price uh, is 2500 I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about value tight ends, and we just talked about, you know, Kate Otten, which we, we don't like, by the way. Foster Moreau. Um, Greg Dulcich, again, regardless of the quarterback at 2,500, uh, I, I do think the floor, I don't know about the floor actually, but but it's probably there at 2,500. I mean, we saw how yeah. you know, this guy's a dynamic tight end. He, they, 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 they have some draft capital in him and they showcased him as soon as he was ready to be showcased, which of course was last uh, Monday night. So uh, absolutely get it on Dulcich. I think that's a, a pretty smart play uh, if you need the savings. Okay, let's get to your team, Mike. Kansas City is a minus two and a half favorite at San Francisco. It's a 48 and a half point total. For those of you that might be a little confused as to why this isn't Pickham, for example, because San Francisco is a pretty good team. They are really, really beat up on defense. They were, that's This is another situation where we kind of have to monitor the defense, but they're not going to be at full health against Kansas City. They'll be lucky to get maybe Bosa back. We'll have to monitor the, the defensive line guys like Armstead and Kinlaw. Secondary, they've lost a couple guys or at least one guy, Mosley, for the year. There's a lot going on there. So they're not going to be at full strength regardless. And depending on how the next few days go, they might be down like five or six defensive starters. Like it's it's not a good situation, which means, Mike, you must love the Kansas City Chiefs this week. I, I do like them. I, they'll be in my player pool. Travis Kelsey for sure will be. Um, I think it's an interesting bounce back spot for MVS. I uh, put up a zero last week. Uh, had a play, pretty big play called back on a holding penalty. Um, but I like Travis Kelsey here. I, no one's going to play him uh, unless Mark Andrews is ruled out. If Mark Andrews is active and playing, uh, no one's going to play Travis Kelsey in this particular spot because we just mentioned the two value tight ends and, and Mark Andrews is in slightly better uh, spot than Travis Kelsey here. Kelsey, I'm projecting single digit ownership, two to three uh, percent. You know, say what you want about the defense. I think that defense is pretty banged up right now at the moment, uh, as you mentioned. Travis Kelsey is mostly matchup proof, um, in my opinion. 
they get so creative using him in the red zone as well um, that I, I think that, you know, matchups matter, but they don't. They don't matter when the ownership's single digits, right? Mm-hmm. For a guy like Travis Kelsey, if I see ownership less than 5%, I the matchup is totally irrelevant for me. So this profiles is one of those spots. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get to Mahomes as of now, but it's possible. And for the record, when it comes to matchup, like one thing that I think really gets ignored uh, by a lot of people who, you know, give out picks or, or have fantasy football shows and they'll talk about DVOA, they'll talk about this stat or that stat, but they're not looking at who the competition was. What, what were the matchups in the first six weeks? And, and so to the extent we love the San Francisco defense and we, we love how the matchup looks against like whatever it is. It is a good defense, by the way. It's a, it's a great team in my opinion, but they're banged up. And also the quarterbacks they face so far this year, Justin Fields, Geno Smith. Okay. That's not bad. Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, Baker Mayfield. Are you impressed yet? Uh, Marcus Mariota? Like not really. Right. So, I mean, again, I, this isn't really something to say with respect to this game necessarily, but when you're looking at, at stats, I mean, listen, we have plenty of, of a sample size, but the sample might be flawed to some degree if the matchups are just really favorable for a defense or really favorable for a quarterback. So that second step you kind of have to take. You can't just pull a stat and be like, well, they're number three DVOA. Okay, well, that's great. Who did they play? Okay, now I've checked who they play. Now I can actually firmly like kind of stand by that stat that I just gave. And listen, I'm sure I've been guilty of doing that too, but in terms of giving a stat out without some of the context behind it. But these are things that this extra layer is something to consider. I say that if the San Francisco defense happens to be healthy on Sunday, which they won't be, but in, in the hypothetical that they are, you still have to go back and look at their matchups. Like what, why are they ranked where they are ranked? Let me ask you this, because I think Jimmy Garoppolo has a shot here to actually have a, a pretty good impact. So he's 5,500. I'm not necessarily saying I want to put Jimmy G in a stack, but I don't think it's the worst idea in a big tournament at 5,500 with Brandon Ayuk and maybe George Kittle or whatever, Ayuk and, and, and Samuel. Debo's 7,600, but Brandon Ayuk's only 6,000. He caught eight of 11 targets last week. He is the receiver one, in my opinion. I know Debo like is kind of like the do-everything guy, but Brandon Ayuk is two touchdowns last week as well with, the, with those 11 targets. Is this a guy that you would absolutely put into your stacks of this game? And and if not, if you're not stacking it, is he a guy that you pull out and put in your lineup regardless? I I don't love it because I keep waiting for you know a little bit distri- a different distribution uh, in some of the usage. So what I'm waiting for is way more Debo Samuel, which hasn't happened yet, frankly. Um, I think he's okay if you want to play Ayuk. I think it's probably a good call out on on stacking the game because I don't think the game is going to be stacked to the level that it should be based on Lamar, based on chase, based on CD lamb, based on Devante and the the Raiders love. Um, I, I think the game will go lower owned than it should. Mahomes, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, Scantling, Travis Kelsey, with a singular Brandon Ayuk run back. Love it, hate yep. it, or you just, you're neutral. No, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I, and again, I'm glad you brought MVS because we're, we're kind of prisoners of the moment, right? Like last week it was MVS and Juju was terrible. Now this week it's like, oh, do I pay up for Juju? I certainly don't want to like play MVS. And that's just not how the, the Kansas City receiver core works. It's, it's any given receiver on any given Sunday outside of Travis Kelsey. So at 4,400, there's plenty of upside there. I would, if you're, if you're debating MVS versus McCole Hardman, 
I, I just think I would look at snap share and route participation, which MBS had about twice as much as McCole Hardman. So uh, you could take a fly on Hardman if you want, but I think MBS might be the guy this week that I would include in a Patrick Mahomes stack, but it wouldn't be the only part of my Patrick Mahomes stack. Uh, anybody else to discuss before we get to this highest total, the uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Chargers? No, I don't think so. Um, although I guess I will mention totals briefly, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Just quickly, the average score uh, so far this season and how much it's down versus the last two. Uh, in 2020, the average score in NFL games was 49 and a half points. 2021, 46. And so far in 2022, that number is down to 43.3, over six points off of the 2020 season so far. What do you attribute that to? Um, defensive scheming for one, we see a lot more too high safeties, a lot more allowing teams to dink and dunk, which eats clock teams do that, get in the red zone, find it difficult to score, end up kicking field goals. Um, some of the rule changes a little bit the way they're calling things, but it's mostly, I think a defensive scheming, uh, league wide to not allow the big play. Gotcha. Um, it's the last time I'll say it, I promise. But if you haven't already hit the like button, hit that. Let's go to Seattle plus five at the Los Angeles Chargers. It's a 50 and a half point total. Um, this this seems like it's going to be a high scoring game. None of these secondaries can really play. We know JC Jackson. I mentioned it on the Tuesday show. He ended up getting benched. So that big ticket sort of acquisition for the Chargers secondary has clearly not worked out in his defense. He's coming off ankle surgery and he's probably not 100%. We know the Seattle defense in general can be exposed here. I like Justin Herbert. I, I don't I don't know if Keenan Allen is is going to be back. I, I suspect he will be playing in this game. I kind of like Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler in a stack and just kind of scooping up all the, the Chargers points. And I like two guys on the way back. I like Kenneth Walker and DK Metcalf or Kenneth Walker and Tyler Lockett or even Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf. I think this game really could have a back and forth, but I don't know, Mike, if I'm just overselling the Geno Smith experience. I, I'm genuinely unsure about that. Where do you stand? I like Geno. Um, I, I like Geno and his weapons. So Kenneth Walker is going to be core play pool for me. Uh, I like Tyler Lockett again. I think Tyler Lockett profiles nicely in, in a bounce back situation. I think his ownership will drop just a touch. He's still going to be popular, but I think it'll drop just a touch after last week's game uh, against Arizona. So I really like him. Uh, as far as runbacks on the other side, I, I'm undecided there. So for me, again, we've talked about it many times how I like to play. I like to play with a really, really narrow player pool. Uh, and for me, that this week, that means a lot of Cincinnati. It means a lot of Jamar Chase. So if I'm running a lot of Jamar Chase and I want to run him in all five lineups, it really hinders my ability to run it back with someone like either Eckler, Allen, Williams, whatever it may be. Um, so the decision that I have to make between now and Sunday is uh, on this particular lineup, Am I going to have a lineup where I don't play Jamar Chase so I can build the intentional bring back? Or do I just want to buy all in on Jamar Chase while he's in single digits and forget about the run back and just go on raw points? Look, I think Jamar Chase is 25 is going to outscore Keenan Allen's 22, whatever it may be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point in the week, I can't say for sure if I'm going to have the Chargers bring back. I'm not going to fault anyone that wants to. I think that you probably should. Um However, as weird as it sounds, I think that it's not necessarily required. I think that the usage is still very clear on Seattle right now to where Kenneth Walker, Gino, 
Lockett and or Metcalf, not all together, obviously, but any combination of those can get theirs and be serviceable in pretty much any game script. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. It's certainly the concentration of shares on that Seattle side is, is very obvious. And if Keenan Allen is back on Sunday, it really muddles everything up. Let's not forget Donald Parham is back too, which, which you know, you know, to the extent you're counting on Gerald Everett, Parham's is is digging in a little bit to that. I think the only guy though, Mike, and maybe I'm just going off of, I don't think I'm just going off of last game. I mean, um, we can actually pull up Austin Eckler's uh, game log here on YouTube if you're yeah. watching with us. He seems to be... Very inefficient in the running game, but they're using him like Christian McCaffrey, which is not a surprise. But 16 targets last week uh, and, you know, catching 10 of them. And, you know, prior to that, it wasn't nearly as much, but it does seem like Herbert is, is leaning on Eckler. Is, is Eckler the run back in a Geno staff? He could be. Uh, I want to caution on these 16 targets. While that's awesome and it could happen again, I think that we should identify games like 7, 8 to 10 as more realistic. Um, mm-hmm. There were a couple things in that Denver game that really allowed for that. Number one, it was competitive. They didn't have much success moving the football on their own. The reason for that, Keenan Allen wasn't playing and Pat Sertan had locked up Mike Evans, the, or Mike Evans, Mike Williams the entire mm-hmm. game. Uh, so he was left trying to hit who was he hitting? Gerald Everett. He was hitting Josh Palmer Josh, at times. Yeah. Um, so the decision for him was very easy. We're going to dump down and check down to Eckler as often as we possibly can out of necessity. Uh, I don't think we necessarily see that here as I think the Seattle secondary is vulnerable and will be attacked. So my worry, and again, on the bring back, like you mentioned, throwing Keenan Allen in, if he plays, it really makes things kind of murky because I would expect really even distribution uh if they have all those guys out there which you know Eckler's fine and he he definitely has a knack for the end zone he definitely has we know the two to three touchdown upside 30 fantasy point upside he's got that in pretty much any matchup um so I'm not gonna be upset if you want to play him but this to me projects as a week where I'd rather just play Derrick Henry it's a very good point. Mike Williams is certainly going to see more targets in a much better matchup. And Keenan Allen is obviously going to get some of those short area reliable targets as well. So while I don't anticipate 16 targets, to your point, I do think eight to nine targets is in play. And against Seattle, uh, you know, the rushing should be more efficient against Seattle and the and the receptions should be there to some degree. So it, it's interesting. Um, but you're right. There, if, if all the weapons are back, it does. Uh, Eckler stock does go down a bit. I do want to point out that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf's price they're really not moving. I believe Tyler Lockett, yeah. he went up 200 and Metcalf went down 200. Like these guys on DraftKings are still like extreme values because you know that's where the targets are going. Um, Mike, let's get to, um, I don't know if we got to 100 likes, but let's, we'll give them a reprieve if we didn't get to 100. I haven't checked. Um, let's get your top three at each position. Let's start at the quarterback and then you can go to running back, wide receiver and tight end. Number one quarterback. Joe Burrow. Interesting call out, I suppose, but I really like the spot for him. Gets to play at home against a pretty bad Atlanta defense, in my opinion. Uh, I think the game has sneaky shootout potential. We've seen Atlanta be able to put points on the board against, frankly, better defenses. Um, So I like the shootout potential here. I like that they're healthy. Number two quarterback, little asterisk beside it because it probably won't be if Mark Andrews doesn't play, but it's going to be Lamar Jackson. I love his upside. Love that the price point is at 8K. I can still get him in relatively easily. Um, Love this matchup in the division game. It's a must-win game for him. It's a good get-right spot at home. 
Uh, give me Lamar. And then number three on the quarterback going to be my boy, Geno Smith, uh, having an absolute career year. Uh, look, I, I think this offense is just good enough to put points on the board and the defense is bad enough to ensure that they're always going to be having to play with some tempo and a little bit mm -hmm. of urgency, um, whether it not necessarily in terms of play clock, but just desire to move the football. Uh, I like the weapons. So give me Geno Smith uh, still less than six thousand uh, dollars. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I, I like I like all three of those. Burrow is the guy that I haven't really totally come around to, but I think in tournaments, Burrow is a really, really smart play for obvious reasons. He's not going to be as highly owned as some of these guys that are, are kind of the more obvious plays. Let's go to running back. Who are your top three? Uh, you know, very chalky at the top. I'm going to give you four um, also. Kenneth Walker, Josh Jacobs, not fooling anyone there. Uh, they're the best plays on the slate, uh, in my opinion, so... Mm -hmm. jam them in wherever you want to. Uh, I really like Jacobs for obvious reasons uh, against Houston and, and especially with Waller out, there's just a lot more usage. He's going to touch the football a ton uh, in this game. And then Kenneth Walker, uh, been great uh, for Seattle, should have green light for a ton of usage there as well. Uh, Chargers not good against the run. Uh, I think it's a really, really Good spot for him to pick up some big chunk plays, hopefully find the end zone. Um, I think it's another great spot for him. And then the last two, Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry. We've talked about both of them so far on the show. Love Joe Mixon. He's going to be involved in the passing game. If I'm correct on the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase call out, that should also mean a few additional touches for Joe Mixon uh, later in the game. So I like that a lot. And then, of course, Derrick Henry we've talked about throughout the show. All right, let's move to the wide receiver position. It looks like it's kicked off by a guy we've talked about a lot. And for the record, that we talked about a lot last week, he, you know, Mike, you weren't on the show last Thursday, but it's funny how it turned out because my contrarian play for the cheat sheet was Jamar Chase. But that was, in my defense, it was in the middle, kind of in the middle of the week. I talked about him on Tuesday and then, and then I put him on the cheat sheet Thursday, but his ownership like kept kind of ticking up. So by the time Sunday rolled around, he wasn't very contrarian. Obviously he had double digit ownership depending on the tournament you were playing in. But uh, do you like Jamar Chase again this week? Love Jamar Chase again this week. Uh, you know, last Sunday I bet his player prop receiving yards over at 77. He ended up with 132 and two touchdowns in that game. I expect a similar result here in this one. Number two receiver, right now it's C.D. Lamb. I might work my way down making him three or four uh, in the player pool, but right now it's C.D. Lamb. The value is just too good at the price point. He's a $7,500 receiver considering that offense, in my opinion. Uh, and then Tyler Lockett. I want to buy back in on Tyler Lockett. The price point just does not move uh, for these Seattle guys. All the opportunity in the world, in my opinion, in this particular matchup. Love that he put up a dud last week. I think that drops the ownership by 3 to 4% at least. Uh, so let's go Tyler Lockett. All right. And finally, we have the tight end position. I called it on Tuesday. That that Not that it was like a big surprise, but I, I was like, it's definitely going to be Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey for Mike. But like, that's everybody's top two, I guess, this week. Um, you like them a lot. You're, you're going to jam him in the lineup. So Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. But who's the third tight end? Who's the money saver? Yeah, uh, now it's going to be Foster Moreau, but I, I like Dolchich as well. So we're giving you four at this position. It's really one is Andrews and Cash, Kelsey in tournaments, or both together in tournaments. Uh, and then Foster Moreau, Greg Dolchich. And for the record, Foster Moreau did practice on a limited basis today. We'll have to kind of monitor what happens with him tomorrow. It does look like he's trending towards playing. I do want to point out Hunter Renfro did not practice today. If for some reason he's downgraded to out, I think maybe you could at least think about putting Matt Collins in, in some as a part of some sort of Raiders stack. 
uh, or run back. So just something to consider. Not certainly not a, a high floor play. Uh, Mac Collins uh, coming off a couple bad games in a row. Okay, so that's the tight end. We we did everything. So let's get to the cheat sheet real quick. I will do. Um, I'll do my cheat sheet first. Let's go Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews. Uh, if for some reason we hear Mark Andrews is not play like not practicing again tomorrow. I'll probably get a little fearful, and I, I might change this answer. I might change my cheat sheet to something else. But for now, it's Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews. Uh, my chalk play, Josh Jacobs. We've talked about him. No reason to talk about him any more than we already have. Uh, fade, I, I had a hard time with this one. It does look like Brandon Cooks is going to be really pretty popular, and that certainly makes sense given the, the game he's going to be in. I, I just don't have a ton of faith in that offense in general. Uh, and so I just – I guess that's my statement in terms of like, you don't always have to have a run back. I do think Brandon cooks is the run back in that game, but it's just not, not something I want to force even to a, to a target guy like Brandon cooks. He hasn't had a lot of ceiling games and I'm just, I'm just not going to be on him, especially if he's going to be popular. And then finally, let's see my contrarian play. Ooh. Oh, I had that wrong. Okay. So my value is Michael Gallup at 5,100. And my contrarian play is Devontae Adams. I did have Brandon Ayuk as a consideration there, but Devontae Adams is going to be my contrarian play. As Mike pointed out, his ownership is still kind of in that like 5% area. So he's very expensive. He's hard to put in your builds. So if you can't, maybe you go with my second contrarian, Brandon Ayuk. But I do like Devontae Adams a lot in this game, along with Josh Jacobs. Mike, your cheat sheet. Cheat sheet. Stack, we're going Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Uh, if you watched the show this far, you definitely know that's where I was going this week. I like to make those flag plants, so to speak. Chalk player going CD Lamb. Uh, going to be popular. I like the price point still. Fade, Brees Hall. I'm fading Brees Hall, 6,200. Uh, kind of obvious here for me, uh, considering we like Walker, we like Jacobs, we like a lot of these other running backs we've talked about. I respect the Denver defense and how difficult it is to play football games there. Um, contrarian play, Travis Kelsey, still single digit ownership here. I'm thinking less than 5% owned, uh, certainly single digits. So, and then my value play for the Raiders, Foster Moreau, expect them to be one of the more popular plays on the slate, uh, by the time Sunday rolls around, but love his value at 2,800. Um, real quick, Mike, I want to get, uh, maybe two captains and two flex plays for showdown tonight, but I just, uh, Steve XRP is a center out again for the Chargers. I think it was food poisoning for him last week. Lindsley, I, I think he's going to play. Uh, that, that's my impression. Good question. Keep an eye on that. And then there was another, uh, thoughts on playing two punt tight ends in cash and jamming in all the studs. Mike, that's probably not a good idea. If you're going to do the two tight end thing, one of them should be one of the studs, right? Yes. However, you can get away with it. If one of the studs is ruled out. If Mark Andrews is ruled out, then you can play the two cheap tight ends uh, and then make sure you're playing guys like Chase, Devontae Adams, whatever it may be, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I think you, or Henry, whatever, however you want to build it. Um, I would only do it if Mark Andrews is out, though. And Mike, finally, uh, before we get out of here, uh, any any showdown plays you want to recommend? Uh, I have a ton of Kyler Murray and Alvin Kamara. Not a lot of groundbreaking stuff there tonight. It's very, very straightforward slate. The targets are mostly condensed uh, in this game. Trying to look for the most interesting call out here. Um, got all my exposures are up right now already on Sportsline for this. A um, lot of Rondell Moore expecting big things there. Um, I have... Keontae Ingram in uh, flex on DraftKings just as pure salary relief. Uh, mm -hmm. This profiles as a game where you can punt with a two to $400 player that may not 
score a single fantasy point if it allows you to get Hopkins, Kamara, Olave, Rondell Moore, Kyler Murray all in the same lineup. That's what I would recommend doing uh, on this slate. So all the exposures are up there. Projections will be on Sportsline if you want to go build those lineups in the optimizer. For those of you that have not uh, subscribed to Sportsline already, uh, I can tell you right now, you have no idea the depth of content they have on there from a betting, DFS, you name it. Like it is truly unbelievable. So go ahead and subscribe to Sportsline. There were some Taysom Hill questions. It's impossible to predict. Do you anticipate like a, a, a potential high floor, potential ceiling game tonight? Or is it just so impossible to predict? You're just not, you just don't want to be uh, speaking to that. Um, I'm not playing him much. Let's see. Yeah, I, I personally am off of him. If he goes off, that's great. The issue on a showdown slate is he, he's gone off so many times where his ownership does inflate to the point where there's likely no value considering the wide range of outcomes that he offers. Uh, if you have him in season long, Again, that's got to be frustrating just because you you know that you could miss the 30-point spike game. You also know you could have him in there for a three-point performance when he throws one pass, rushes the ball three times, one catch. Um, I'm leaning towards less output from Taysom tonight personally, but not going to shock me at all. The guy's ridiculous. He has all the upside in the world. So, All right. And Mike, we'll end it on this. Uh, Derek Graham has a question. Do you think DFS-wise, Commanders or Jets will be high ownership? I think they'll both be pretty high because they're both, um, you know, reasonably priced. I think the Jets is the play there over the Commanders. I don't think the Commanders will, in terms of being able to score points, I don't think the Commanders are going to get you there in that particular game. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on this? Yeah, so the Commanders won't be popular at all. Uh, I have them in the bottom five. I have uh, the Jets in the top two. So, yeah. Jets will be more popular than the Commanders. Um, other last-second call-outs here defensively, uh, I, I like the Broncos a lot defensively. Yeah. I, I think taking a stand on that game, 3,300 for the Broncos or 2,600 for the Jets, I think that's where you probably want to be. Uh, Derek, Derek, uh, thanks for the question. Uh, if you haven't already hit the like button, hit that, but it's kind of the end of the show at this point. But go ahead and review the podcast too. We would really appreciate it. We're going to see you on Tuesday for – the solo pod for the recap, the lineup recap, and of course our early look, which I think is a really important part of the week, our early look, which will be an early look to week eight. I'm very much looking forward to it, but first I'm looking forward to cashing our lineups in week seven. If you have questions, you can go ahead and tweet at us or message us. But for now, this is the Thursday game by game preview for week seven. My name is Sia Najad. That is Mike McCord. We will see you on Tuesday. 